Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. There's nothing uh, more important than our Bible in terms of uh, scripture, in terms of uh, documents. Uh, the Bible is the infallible word of God. It is God breathed. And we as Christians, many of us, uh, lean to the Bible for inspiration, for guidance, for uh, edification, and we should. And the Bible uh, tells us about itself in terms of how we ought to treat it. Our revelations remind us that we shouldn't put in or take out of the scriptures. And for we that are believers, uh, many of us, we've adopted the 66 books, uh, 39 of the Old Testament, 27 of the New and for today's episode, I wanted us to highlight and talk about uh, the New Testament. And for those of us that enjoy reading the New Testament, the Gospels, the Epistles, uh, and, and so forth, we must also know as Christians where we got the Bible in its present form. Uh, the transmission is important. And the reason why these subjects are important is because there are people that have sincere questions about our faith, specifically about the Bible that we claim comes from God. And we as believers must be always ready to give each man or woman an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within them, and to do it with gentleness and respect. So for today's episode, I invited a special guest. Um, I had the luxury of previewing a documentary uh, called Fragments of Truth. And in this uh, movie, there was great information about uh, the Bible manuscripts in terms of the New Testament, New Testament manuscripts and uh, where they were found and transmission and a host of other information that I thought would be um, great for those of you that are listening to us uh, right now. And our guest today is Professor Craig Evans. He's an author. Uh, he's, he's a professor and uh, reading many of his books. He's also an apologist. And some of the books that he's written, is, uh, for an example, is Jesus and the Remains uh, of His Day, uh, Jesus and the Jihadists uh, Confronting the Rage of ISIS, and then Fabricating Jesus, How Modern Scholars uh, Distort the Gospels. Professor Evans, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Good to be with you today. Thank you so much. So um, in terms of this documentary movie, uh, what was the impetus uh, for creating this documentary? Well, we felt we needed to do this because there's a lot of, uh, I think, ignorance about the Bible, where it comes from, who wrote it, how, how it's been preserved. Ignorance not only in the, the secular world, would you, where you would expect it, but disappointingly, a lot of Christians in the church don't know much about it either. Mm. So 
So we thought, hey, it's time to set the record straight, especially some books that have been published, some of them even scholarly, not just popular, claiming that all kinds of mistakes have been made. Uh, We don't know what the original text read like. Uh, What we have now is corrupted. There are Muslims that hear this and jump all over it and say, see, you can't trust the Bible. You should read the Quran instead. So we thought, wait a minute, we've got to set the record straight. We have old manuscripts, lots of them, and it's a very solid record, a very stable text. So we need to set the record straight. And that's what went into this documentary. So we use the word manuscripts. Can you tell us what manuscripts are? Well, a a manuscript is what everything was before the printing press was invented uh, about five, five and a half centuries ago. And so everything was written out by hand, and that's what the word manuscript means. Manu means the hand, and script, of course, is writing. And so uh, the question is, is how many manuscripts do we have and how old are they? Well, we have over 5,000, and we have some dozens that are very old and get close to the time when the original copies of Scripture were made. And so that's what these manuscripts are. They were written with ancient paper that was made out of a papyrus, uh, a plant that grew in the marshy riverbanks of the Nile River, and it proved to be a very durable paper. It lasts a lot longer than our paper, and so even when this papyrus was thrown out into the trash, and I'm talking about Egypt, of course, and a few other dry places, that in this dry, sandy uh, setting, uh, this papyrus could last a long time, mm. 1,500 years, 2,000 years, Some papyrus has been found buried in caves that go back 3,000 years. So it's a very durable stuff. And that's what our original New Testament writings, uh, that's what they were written on is papyrus. So what's the difference between a manuscript and an autograph? Well, when you say autograph, what you're talking about is the original. That's what the word means. You and I think of an autograph as where, you know, if you've written something, you pick up the pen and you sign your name to it. Like I autograph books. Right. You know, well, they were printed at a printing press. I didn't have anything to do with printing them, but I signed my name to it. That's an autograph. Well, that's what we mean now. It's kind of like that in the past. But what would happen is a scribe would write out. You'd be dictating to the scribe, telling him what to write. You might be the Apostle Paul telling Tertius, the scribe, to write out the letter to the Romans. And you might then pick up the pen right at the very end and write a sentence saying, I look forward to seeing you. I extend to you my greetings. Take care. I pray for you. And then you sign your name. I, Paul, you know. And Paul does this with many of his letters. Well, that's, that's the autograph. But autograph really means the original, the authentic, the original writing. Everything else is a copy of it. And so, of course, the autographs are long gone. They would be almost 2,000 years old. They've disintegrated. They've disappeared. So all we have left are copies of copies. But the question is, is how far back can we get? How close to the autographs of the first century can we get? And do we have reason to believe that the text of the New Testament has been well-preserved? And the answer, of course, is we get back very close, and the evidence suggests that the text has, in fact, been very well-preserved. Thank you so much for that explanation. You mentioned Egypt and uh, the manuscripts that were found in that region. When I was watching a documentary, um, the documentary talks about Grenfell and Hunt. Who were they and what significance do they have 
to the manuscripts? Well, what the, they they were brilliant uh, young scholars. Uh, they were uh, in their late twenties, early thirties. This is the eighteen nineties we're talking about, and uh, papyrus had become known, and the realization was there could be ancient paper, ancient papyrus reaching all the way back to the New Testament period and earlier if you just look for it and know where to look for it in Egypt because the weather in Egypt is warm and dry and as long as the papyrus doesn't get wet and doesn't get exposed to the sun, it will last. And so in 1896, in December, they went to Egypt and in January of 1897, they made their first finds. They began to find papyrus and you'll never believe where, in trash heaps that went all the way back to the first and second centuries before Christ. Mm. And uh, these trash heaps have been there for hundreds of years. People just throw out paper, used books, and things like that. It would then get covered with sand. It stayed dry, and it remained well-preserved, even 10 feet deep in Mm. some cases. And they extracted, we estimate, five hundred thousand pages of this ancient paper this papyrus and so far we have found more than 60 pieces of the greek new testament among these papers so brother evans how did these manuscripts wind up in egypt well manuscripts wound up everywhere manuscripts millions of them were sent throughout the roman empire uh in the eastern half of the roman empire most of the manuscripts were written in greek though some of them were in Latin. In the Western Empire, they were mostly Latin. So we're talking about uh, several million writings. What's happened is it's Egypt that has the right climate to preserve these things. Mm. So that's why we have recovered 500,000 pages from one city alone. And, uh, uh, you know, if if the whole Roman world was like Egypt, we'd have millions of pages of papyrus, not just 500,000. But that's why, to answer your question, that's why they're found in Egypt, because Egypt is the place that can preserve them. Mm. Uh, We also found a 1,000 documents uh, in caves near the Dead Sea in Israel for the same reason, because it's dry and warm, and the scrolls were in caves out of the sun and not exposed to moisture. So anytime you have durable material like leather or papyrus, and it's protected from the elements, it lasts hundreds and hundreds of years, even thousands of years. Thank you for that explanation. Um, so in terms of uh, these manuscripts, I, I'm a history buff, so I wouldn't mind, as I was looking at the, uh, the documentary, I found myself wishing I was in those places that you had a chance to visit. So in terms of the manuscripts, where can people like myself go and view them? Yes, you can see them. All the manuscripts that we viewed, uh, with the exception of the Vatican, the Vatican Library, the Apostolic Library, there it's very difficult to see them. But you can go to Ireland, to the Chester Beatty Museum, and you can see some of our oldest uh, portions of the Gospels in the Book of Acts. You can see the oldest copies we have of Paul, almost all of the text of Paul's letters. You can go to Manchester in northern England, and you can see the oldest surviving fragment of the New Testament. It's a small piece of John, chapter 18. You can go to Oxford, and you can see probably the oldest fragments of the Gospel of Matthew, dating somewhere between 160 and 180 A.D. 
You can uh, go to Geneva, Switzerland, to the Bodmer Foundation Library, and you can see the oldest copy of the Gospel of John, probably dating to about the year 200, and it's, it's about three-quarters of the Gospel of John. So those are some of the most important places. You can go to Cambridge, you can go to London, you can go to Berlin and Germany and other places and see some old fragments as well. And they're there. And in most cases, if you're part of the public, you can pay your admission and walk in and take a look at these things, at least samples of them. They're very fragile. We have to take good care of them. They're hidden in dark rooms. They're not exposed to the light. That's Otherwise, they disintegrate. So they're very well cared for. But they're out there, and they've all been photographed. And we always look at them when we're doing study, serious study of the New Testament, so that we have confidence that we're looking at the oldest text, the original text. We know how it originally read, and therefore we know how to interpret it. So since um, you talked about John chapter 18, uh, was that in, re- in reference to the what they call P52? That's correct. All of these old papyri, and the first letter in the, na- in the word papyrus is the letter P, and so that's how they chose uh, more than 100 years ago how to na- number them. And so P1, P2, we're all the way up to papyrus number 134, mm. by the way. And so that means we have found 134 uh, pieces, fragments, some of them substantial, of, of the Greek New Testament. We have, of course, many other manuscripts that are mostly from a later time. Many of them are made of leather, parchment, and uh, or old books, old codices. Two of the best known are called Codex Vaticanus and Codex Sinaiticus. They have virtually the complete New Testament and the Old Testament translated into Greek contained in them. So we have an embarrassment of riches as I said, we have about we have over 5,000, almost 6,000 uh, copies, partial copies of the Greek New Testament. So we have all we need to do comparative study and determine how the text originally read in the autographs. Mm. Exciting. Um, I, I love to hear that. So out of the um, ancient works that we, we, when I say we, I'm talking about uh, globally, out of all the ancient works, uh, Christianity has the most copies of ancient manuscripts. Why is that important? Well, it's important for the very thing we're talking about. If someone wants to know, the, you know, do we really have the words of Jesus? Do we really have the Gospel of Matthew, as Matthew wrote it down? Do we really have Luke and John, the way they were originally written? We can say, yes, we do. We have so many copies, we can compare them. Sure, scribes make mistakes, but scribes don't all make the same mistakes. And so you compare them, you you might say compare them horizontally, and you can recognize, ah, the scribe over here made the mistake, but these other scribes didn't. This is the original text. It reads smoothly. It makes sense. And you do that line by line, and then there's little question about anything. You know, this is the way the original read. So that's why this is important. Unfortunately for our Muslim friends, they destroyed many of their own manuscripts, ones that contained variants, differences, scribal mistakes. And now that some Muslim scholars would like to compare manuscripts, because there are some problems in the Quran, some questions, that so much of the documentation has been destroyed, not by Christians or Jews, but by Muslims themselves, it's going to be very difficult for them to do what we call textual criticism 
very difficult for this kind of comparative study to be done because so much of the evidence uh, was discarded and destroyed. One of the, um, I guess one of the uh, portions of the documentary that stood out was the uh, visual diagram of um, the Gospels and the arguments against uh, collusion and, and, and perversion of the early manuscripts. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, I think I know which part you mean in the film. Uh, <clears throat> we uh, interviewed uh, uh, Peter Williams of Tyndale House in Cambridge and also Simon Gathercall, who's at Cambridge, and both of them made the same point in uh, interviewing them, and the film has some of the best comments that they made. What they pointed out would, was it was just simply impossible for a scribe to make a change in a manuscript and get away with it, as it were, to change one of the Gospels, and then that's the way the Gospel would read today. He would have to make changes in uh, literally in hundreds of manuscripts. He would have to make these same changes, not just in the Greek manuscripts, but Latin translations and in other uh, translations. He would have to make these changes in different regions throughout the Roman Empire. In other words, it's simply impossible. So sure, scribes do make mistakes. They're handwritten. You and I make mistakes when we write and type. Somebody has to proofread them. And by the way, all of these manuscripts were proofread. And so the idea that a scribe acting on his own, trying to, or a couple of scribes even, some kind of conspiracy to alter the gospel and turn Jesus into somebody else, change his teaching or whatever, is just not realistic. It really couldn't be done. So if, if you or I change one of the manuscripts, all the other scribes would say, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not the way it reads in, in the other manuscripts. And so you would never get away with trying to make a change like that. Thank you for that uh, explanation. And then our last question uh, deals with Constantine. There's been a lot of false rumors that uh, the emperor was the one that chose which books to be canonized. Can you touch on that? Well, yes, that's one of the silliest things that came out. Uh, that's been suggested from time to time. It was made very popular by Dan Brown in his novel, The Da, Vin da Vinci Code, and uh, one of his fictional characters in the book, Sir Lee Teabing, who, by the way, gets almost everything wrong. Uh, and that's one of the things he gets wrong. He says that uh, Constantine collated, uh, whatever he means by that, uh, and selected the Gospels for the New Testament. That's just not true. Constantine wanted the church to meet in 325 at Nicaea and talk over Christology, to come to an agreement among themselves, because the churches were in disagreement over exactly how to explain Christ in terms of his divinity and humanity, and so they were encouraged to get together. Constantine did not say, let's get together and find out what's in the Bible, and oh, by the way, I'll choose the Gospels. That's fiction. That is not what happened. There is no history that says that. Thank you so much. Uh, and then, since we're talking about this topic, um, we, the term minimalist, can you touch on that in terms of how that relates to uh the the scholars that that got together after uh, Constantine commissioned them. Well, yes, what minimalists and that applies to the Old Testament, but it can apply also to the Gospels. Minimalism, it, what it does is it's a very skeptical attitude 
that says, uh, I'm very skeptical of the evidence. I don't care how much there is. I don't care what the Old Testament or the old documents say. I'm skeptical. I, I just don't think they're talking about real people or things that actually happened. So it's a skepticism like that. And of course, it does. minimalism does not enjoy support from archaeology. Archaeology consistently shows that the old biblical narratives are talking about real people, real places, real events, things that actually happened. And so minimalism is a strange philosophy. I'm not sure why people hold to it, because it, it's very, it, it's in tension with evidence. It is in tension with archaeology. So I, I don't know what it is. I, maybe I, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't explain it. But it's a, it's a, uh, it's tension with the evidence. The evidence supports what we've been talking about. The Gospels, for example, uh, describe the world that Jesus lived in. Archaeology, archaeology shows indeed that was the world back then. So archaeology is a friend mm. to the Bible. It's a friend to the Gospels. Evidence supports the Gospels, supports the Bible. Sometimes people don't understand the Bible. That's true, and that includes Christians. That's why I'm very concerned that we teach and teach well, that we study, that we know the archaeology so that we teach well. But uh, if, if you trust the Bible, you've got nothing to be afraid of when it comes to the evidence and when it comes to archaeology. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Professor Evans, for being on Sound Reasoning. We thank you for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Well, you're very welcome. Glad to be with you. Thank you so much. Uh, That's Professor Craig A. Evans. Um, He has worked extensively on the movie documentary Fragments of Truth. If you can get a chance to watch it, please do so. Uh, It is a wonderful uh, movie accurately capturing the New Testament uh, manuscripts that our New Testament is based on. And not only that, it offers the Bible perspective on how we can respond to skeptics who have questions um, about our Christian faith, uh, have questions about what the Bible teaches, but more so uh, for those that are sincere in their approach to Christianity. Again, we wish you Godspeed and that you are setting yourself up to rightly divide the Word of God. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org.
Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once.